You know, this week, uh, my family and I returned from a trip that we took to Florida. Uh, we went down there and we visited family, uh, my family, and uh, we had some fun while we were there as well. Originally, we had planned this trip to be in July, uh, but because of illness, we had to reschedule. So we went down, we spent about a week, and we had a great time uh, in Florida. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to drive through Jacksonville. Jacksonville is where my family's from. Um, and uh, not Brooklyn, but uh, Jacksonville, totally different uh, place. But, uh, but, and I lived there, I didn't grow up there, I grew up in Michigan, but, um, but I lived there as a teenager for, for some of my very formative years, ages like 16 through 19. So I had an opportunity to drive through some places where I lived. And while I was driving through, I was just flooded with all sorts of memories as I was driving around, some good and some bad. And it, but it was just a flood of feelings and thoughts and memories as I drove around. And I was like, God, how do I process this? I mean, this is a lot. You know, I wasn't really planning on it, thinking about it. And we just sort of ended up there. And it was just a lot. So I was like, God, how do I process this? And as I was driving, I was listening to the radio because some people still listen to the radio. Yes. And um, right, Matt? Yeah, that's right. And uh, Matt doesn't listen to the radio, right? Uh, Matt's the one who helped me with Spotify. But um, I was driving around listening to the radio, and all of a sudden, a song came on. While I was wrestling with this and thinking about all these memories and wrestling with, with processing this, a song, Drake's song, God's Plan. Yeah, it came on the radio right at that time. And I don't know this song. I don't think I've ever heard the song before. I know who Drake is. I'm not that old. But the only reason why I knew it was Drake's song, because it said it on the screen. <laughs> it said, Drake, God's plan, right? And I since have actually Googled the lyrics, and I don't think I still understand the song. But the point is, like Transformers, you know, Bumblebee, God's speaking to me through my car and kind of reminded me to look at my life and my memories through God's eyes. And think about God's plan. In my personal Bible studies, I have uh, been reading um, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And I recently reread the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus and also was the forerunner, the one who kind of laid the groundwork for Jesus' ministry. And as I reread that part, it really was able to gain some insight into this concept of God's plan, some insights that I want to share with you this morning. And uh, so I want to talk this morning about God's plan, specifically from Luke, uh, the book of Luke chapter 3. And I want to preface this by saying I in no way am an expert on God's plan for your life. As you can see, I can barely figure out my own life half the time. And I, but, but I want to share some principles with you, some strong principles that are laid out clearly in the Bible about God and what he thinks about plans in our life as you wrestle and try to figure out God's plan for your life. I want to share three of them with you as you seek to find God's plan. So let's read together Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the 15th year... Of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and Trachonitus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, 
During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, it says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. Verse 7. It says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with him one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some of the soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. That's for all of us who bought our Powerball ticket last night. But... This is a great passage of scripture, isn't it? It's a great passage that says a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of lessons that we can per, pull out, a lot that we can learn even about God's plan. But there's three points from this I'd like to share with you today. Three points that I think are present in this text that talk about God's plan, but three points that also apply to our lives today, thousands of years later, as we are seeking to understand and figure out God's plans for our individual life. The first thing I'd like to point out about God's plan is this. There is a choosing of a messenger. With God's plan, you will see the choosing of a messenger. Often, God's plan involves picking a person. Person can be male, that person can be female. But God picks a person in his plans for a specific task. Now, what's interesting, not that God just picks a person. That is pretty interesting because God doesn't have to do that. God doesn't need our help. God wants to include us. So not only is it interesting that God includes us in his plan, but what's more interesting is who God chooses for his plan. Look back at this text that we just read. Look back at verse 1 and 2. Let me just read this again. It says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, he mentions Herod the Tetrarch, he mentions Philip the Tetrarch, he goes on and mentions Lysanias, also a tetrarch. These were all uh, political Roman ro uh, positions. And then he goes on and says, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas. Uh, so he's mentioning all these people. And then he says, then the word of God came to John. It's interesting because in this passage, eight people are mentioned. Eight people. Seven of them are significant 
political and religious leaders of the time. Likely, the reason why Luke writes this is just to give us a reference point. Luke is very much a historian. He's writing this out very specifically. And so likely the reason he included all these names is so that the reader would look at it and go, oh, okay, I see. When did this happen? What time for, oh, it was, okay, it was during this guy's reign, this guy, okay, I got it. And likely that's why he wrote it. But there's also an underlying message there. And the underlying message is, who does God choose? You've got seven highly recognized and famous people of their time, but God chooses a guy in the wilderness to hear the word of God. God's plan includes the choosing of a messenger. God chooses John. The word of God, it says, comes to John. The point that I'm making is this. In God's plan, God's choice of messenger is often the person you least expect. That's part of God's plan. He often chooses the person you least expect. Listen, I mean, think about, think about the history of the Bible. Think about all the people. Think about Abraham, the old guy with no kids. And he comes to him and says, you... You are going to have so many descendants. They're going to be as numerous as there are stars in the sky or sand on the beach. I mean, that's you, old guy with no kids. Rahab, who was a prostitute, who lied. She becomes the great, great grandmother of King David and eventually in the lineage of Jesus and is recognized in Hebrews chapter 11 as a person of great faith. I mean, think about that. Think about Gideon, who was a fearful trembling, hiding Israelite who God comes to him and says, you, you're going to lead a great army of God. Think about Mary who had never had an intimate physical relationship. And God comes to her and says, you, you're going to give birth to Jesus, right? God comes to a guy named Saul who later ends up going by the name Paul who killed Christians and makes him become the greatest Christian missionary Ever And the list in the Bible goes on and on and on and on. The point is, God's plan involves choosing somebody you least expect. That's God's messenger. And that is hopeful for us, isn't it? Doesn't that give you hope? Have you ever been neglected? Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been excluded or abandoned or marginalized? Do you ever feel lonely? Do you ever feel broken or defective or unworthy or inadequate? Do you see yourself ever as insignificant or immaterial or inconsequential or unimportant? Good! Because you then are the exact person that God loves to include in his plan. The point is God's choice is often the person you least expect. And that means hope for all of us. You know, even as God was choosing the next leader of Israel, he all eyes turn to the tall and the handsome, the gifted, the talented, the sharp. 
No one considered a young shepherd boy who was out back named David. But God had to just plainly say to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, God says about himself, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is God's choice of messenger. That's what God's plans include. It includes the choosing of a messenger. God's plan also includes a message of change. God's plan includes the choosing of a messenger, but God's plan then also includes a message of change. Again, let's go back. Listen to what it says in our text here. Listen to what the Bible says John will do, the messenger. Listen to what he's going to do. In verse 4, it says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill be made low. The crooked roads will become straight. The rough ways will become smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. So God's plan includes the choosing of the messenger, but then God's plan also includes a message of change. Things are going to be different. Again, this is common throughout the scriptures, not just with John the Baptist, but you see this. Noah, Noah's message was, hey, we're going to build a boat. Why? Because it's going to rain. There's going to be some change. Think about Joshua. He tells the people, Get yourself ready. Why? Because we're crossing the Jordan River. Why? Because there's going to be some change. Peter, speaking to a crowd of people, seldom said, you killed the Messiah. What do we do? They say, repent and get baptized. Why? Because there's going to be some change. God's plan includes some level of change. Something's got to grow. Something's got to change. And this change isn't just external. It's not just cleaning up your act a little bit or doing things a little bit better, sitting in a better chair. You know, it's not external things. I mean, even John challenges these people even deeper, not just on the external thing, but really on their even their basic identity. In verse 8, it says here, it says, and do not, and John speaking to the crowds, he said, do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. These were people who were very set in their identity. Like Ted was just sharing a moment ago. They were set in their culture. They knew who they were. They are children of Abraham. And John says, listen, we're going to change things. Don't lean on your identity, your worldly setting and who you think you are. Because God, see those rocks over there? God can make children of Israel just pop out of the ground. All right? We're going to make it different. It's going to change. And this change is going to go deep. It's going to go deep into our hearts. And we're going to have to grow. And we're going to have to change. Because God's plan includes a message of change. You know, as a church, we have to always be on the alert for this. We have to be on the alert of not getting stuck in our religious activities, right? I mean, there's nothing more discouraging 
than powerless religion, at least to me. Maybe you, I mean, just sitting and, and just doing the same thing over and over because it's the way we do it is the worst, right? I mean, we got to be careful that we don't get stuck in this. And we got to be careful that we're not constantly looking backwards at the good old days and going, yeah, back in the good old days, this is when it, that's when it was really good. Now, I don't know, but back then, you know, back in the old days when we painted our houses with lead and didn't buckle our kids in seatbelts. You remember those days? Those are the good old days. <laughs> No, I mean, this is what we're talking about is we got to be careful. We got to be careful that we don't become religious people and just get stuck in our ways. Listen, if you are a part of this church, you are lucky because you are in a church that is full of change. There's a lot going on around here. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know what's going on. Listen, there's a lot. We are one big church who used to be three different groups. Now we're trying to divide it into two groups, the Northeast and the Northwest. We used to have one leader. Now we've got two leaders, right? Some of us are like, wait, who do I talk to? Who's in charge? And then, you know, I wonder that too. I'm sitting there going, wait, yeah, who is in charge? What's going on? We've added groups like our health empowerment group. We now have our squad that we mentioned. We added this cultural corner. We're getting our in-person kids kingdom going. We're doing Zoom or not to Zoom. We've got COVID that we're dealing with. So we're having core leadership groups. We're having Life Teen Sundays. I mean, we're constantly changing. But that's part of God's plan. Now, I'm not saying that we change just for the sake of change. That would be foolish. We're not just trying to make changes because we're bored. But we should always be willing to re-examine everything we do and ask ourselves, why are we doing? And if it worked a while ago but doesn't work now, let's change it. God's plan, it involves a message of change. Let's not be religious people. Let's be righteous people that lean into God's plan, that lean into this message of change. Are you stuck in a rut? Right now, spiritually, are you feeling stuck in a rut? Are you the same person you were yesterday? Are you the same person you were last week or last month? Are you the same person you were last year? Or, or, Are you embracing God's plan for your life? His message of growth. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a week or for 30 years. We all have places and areas that we need to grow. Are you embracing this change, this message of hope? Because that's what change is. It's hope. It means you don't have to be stuck. Like Shan was sharing earlier in her communion message, feeling stuck. And you, you, you don't have to give up that hope. You can have this message of change. You can see paths become straight. You can see valleys get filled in. You can see mountains made low. You can see crooked roads become straight. You can see rough ways become smooth. You can see God's salvation. Are you growing? Are you embracing the change? Let's not fight it. Let's embrace it. Let's go where God is leading us. It's part of God's plan. God's plan. It includes choosing of a messenger. It includes a message of change. And finally, it includes the fact that your choices matter. God's plan. Choosing a messenger, a message of change, and your choices matter. Back in our text in verse 10, it says, what should we do then? The crowd asked. And John said, anyone who has two shirts should share 
with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors come to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to do, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he said, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your, your pay. Here, the people are coming to the messenger and they're asking specific questions. And John is giving them specific answers, specific things to do. The point is, your, cho- your choices, your choices matter. Whether uh, how you respond, how you react, what you do, what you don't do. In God's plan, you're not just a bystander. Your choices matter. How, then, do you treat people? How do you treat people? Do you treat people with your anger? With your hatred? Do you retaliate towards people? Are you resentful? Do you have grudges? Do you keep records of wrong? Or are you sharing? Are you kind? Are you considerate? Do you show contentment, honor, respect? The point is, in God's plan, your choices, your everyday choices matter. Now, I know we can get weird sometimes about what we think we can control. I mean, I can. A classic example for me is when I'm watching uh, football. You know, I love the New York Giants. I love Syracuse. It's my alma mater. It is part of New York, by the way. Uh, just want to... <laughs> but I'm watching a sporting event and say my team wins and I'm excited so the next week when I come together guess what I'll do I'll wear the same shirt right I'll put on the same hat right Russ Russ is like yeah you know (laughs) that's what I'm getting to he said I put on a hat I put on the same I'll sit on the same spot on the couch Right? I'll lean in. The team's starting to get beat. I'll lean in a little bit. I'll, I'll try to project some of my, mm, my Holy Spirit through the TV. Right? It's weird. My wife is like, why do you do that? <laughs> it's so I'm down like, I'm doing my part. But the truth is, as my brother just said, it doesn't work. I'm constantly being reminded that I can't really control. I am watching an event that literally in some, it, it sometimes is hundreds of miles away involving people that don't even know who I am, don't even know my name, as if my watching would have some degree of influence. And so I've had to really remember and be reminded over and over and over that the only person I can control in this life is me. Me. You may think... You can control other people. You may think you can control their reactions or their emotions or their thoughts. Right? And you may try to persuade people or manipulate people or you may try these things, but it's a lie. You can control you. That's it. In fact, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is you controlling you. And the point that I'm making and the point of God's plan is that your daily, 
practical, interpersonal choices are what matter. How you treat people. In fact, Jesus, you know, we're reading about John the Baptist. Jesus, just a few chapters later in Luke 6, will amp this up even more. He will take it to another level. Listen to the choices that he calls us, his followers, to make. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This is Jesus. All right, this is the man. Not John, no, this is Jesus. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. He goes on and he says it again. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be the children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. In God's plan, your choices matter. They matter. And this too is a message of hope. It's a hope. It's because it's telling us that we can have an impact. That we can make a difference. You don't have to just sit on the sidelines and watch the news all day and get upset and disgruntled and angry at all the things going on in the world. You can do something. Right. What do you do? You do what Jesus just told us to do. You can do something. You can have an impact on the world around you. You can make a difference through your holy, your godly, and your righteous choices. With your friends, with your family, at work, or at school, when you're on social media, when you're at the grocery store, when you're driving home from church today, in the street, in the home, on the job, all alone, <laughs> highways and byways. God's plan includes us understanding that our choices matter. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. As I drove around Jacksonville the other day, I went to see my old high school that I went to. Uh, I went and saw the home that I lived in. I drove by a couple places where I had part-time jobs. I even went by my grandparents' house, which, you know, they've since passed away and it's no longer their house. Somebody else lives there. But I drove around and saw all these flood of memories from age 16 to 19 when I lived there. Just, it really made me sad. And I started thinking about uh, mistakes that I made and things I would be do, do, I'd do different. Like as an older man looking back and, 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 and feeling regrets about things that I would have done differently at that time if I could go back. But, as I said, after my car reminded me 
of God's plan. I began to think about things in that way. I began to think about things through God's eyes. How did God look at it? And my spirit began to lift. And I actually began to find encouragement because I thought about what came out of those formative years for me. You know, the odds were against it. But what emerged during that time for me was a seedling of faith. A seedling of faith that has since grown into a deeply rooted oak of faith that I hold on to every day. And I'm not saying that to elevate myself. In fact, I'm saying this the exact opposite. I'm saying, look at God's plan. Look at what God did. That if the only thing that that came out of those four years of me and that time of my life was faith, if that's what came through, then I had it. I got everything. God gave me everything. And it inspired me to think, wow, look at God's plan. God's plan. He chooses you, the messenger. He brings hope through his message of change. And then he empowers us to make a difference because what we do, our choices matter. Thank you. Thank you.